Good morning. Today's reading is from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 19. By faith, when Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Every hero has his flaws. I don't need to tell you that, right? You may have heroes in your past and every one of them has flaws. That's one of the many things I appreciate about the scriptures. They allow us to see the flaws in our heroes. And today we focus just for the next few moments on a hero of the faith, namely Abraham. I mentioned several weeks ago when I spoke about Enoch that there really wasn't very much material on Enoch. The exact opposite is the case for Abraham. There's lots of material on Abraham. It starts in chapter 12 and goes at least until chapter 22 unless you include the burial of Sarah as a part of Abraham's story, which it is. What I'd like to do is do a brief overview of the stages of faith in Abraham's life. And here they are. Stage number one is essentially this. God says to Abraham, I want you to trust me when the future is unknown. I want you to leave everything that you know, all the security that is yours. Not your immediate family, but your clan and all the people who are associated with you in Ur of the Chaldees, and then later in Haran. I want you to leave them and walk away to a future I'll tell you about. I'm not telling you the details of the future. I'm not telling you how I'm going to make it happen. I'm just promising you that I'm going to give you an inheritance, and you are going to be a great nation. So follow me. And Abraham does. He gives up all his contacts, and he leaves. We don't often hear this, but you know what might also have been happening here? 
If you understand the culture, you realize that the place where Abraham lived had multiple gods associated with it. And people worshipped multiple gods. It was not monotheistic. It was polytheistic. There were the gods of the nation. There were the gods of the city. There were the gods of the clans. There were the gods of the families. There were the gods that are associated with the ancestors. We don't know. Because we don't know Abraham's story in detail in the early stages of his faith development. But it is possible that God is saying to Abraham, Abraham, it's time to choose. Worship me and me alone. Hear my voice and follow. So the first stage of faith is trust me. Trust me when your future is absolutely unknown. The second stage of faith is trust me when you feel the most vulnerable. You notice that Abraham leaves a magnificent city, and as our text says, he lives in tents, which is really a step down. And in tents in a land that he doesn't know, with people he doesn't know, and in precarious situations. And one of those precarious situations was a drought, a famine that hit the land of Canaan. That happened periodically in Canaan. But Abraham hadn't been there before. So now what do you do? Well, you do what everybody else did when a famine hit Canaan. You go to Egypt. Why do you go to Egypt? For those of you who have ever been to Egypt, you realize it's a massive desert. The reason you go to Egypt is because the agricultural source of life is the Nile River overflowing its banks. No matter what the temperature, no matter what the drought, the Nile is there and you can continue to produce crops. So Abraham goes to Egypt, the only place to survive. As he goes to Egypt, he's very vulnerable. He's got cattle. He's got family. He's got parts of his household. He doesn't have the promise of Isaac yet with him. But when he's the most vulnerable, Abraham reacts in fear. Isn't that often true for all of us? When do you get the most angry? When you're fearful. When do you get the most fearful when you're vulnerable? Abraham is absolutely vulnerable. He comes up with a plan and he says to Sarah, you know the story. I'm going to tell them and you're going to tell them that you're my sister because if we don't come up with this plan, they're going to take you and they're going to kill me. They conceive of the plan, they initiate the plan, and it doesn't work. Because when they see Sarah, as a matter of fact, the, uh, the servants of Pharaoh are the ones that see Sarah first. They recognize her as a beautiful woman. And you can imagine all the men looking at her and saying, look at her. Wow, isn't she something? You know, we ought to report her to the king. He wants all the beautiful ladies in the land. So they do. They go to Pharaoh and they say, this woman, Sarah, is stunning. And Pharaoh says, well, bring her to me. And she becomes part of his court. And apparently, God reveals to Pharaoh 
what Abraham was unwilling to say, namely that she is my wife. And once the revelation comes to Pharaoh, he calls Abraham in and he says, Are you kidding me? Why did you do this to me? I'm being punished by God for my sin, and it's not even my fault. It's your fault. I didn't know. And then Pharaoh blesses Abraham and just dotes on him and gives him all kinds of cattle and livestock and sends him on his way. Abraham's foolish decision is eclipsed by God's grace. Ever experienced that? So the first step of faith is, I want you to trust me when the future is unknown. The second step of faith is, I want you to trust me when you're most vulnerable. And the third step of faith, I want you to trust me in the silences. What are the silences? Here's the silence. At 75 years of age, Abraham is promised a son. And when he's a hundred, he still doesn't have one. And there's large gaps of silence between the renewal of the covenant for Abraham. Large gaps if you look at the numbers of years. And within those large gaps, we see haunting silences. We see Abraham following, hoping that the promise will be fulfilled, but not getting a renewal of the covenant every day. Not even every month. Not even every year. For long spaces at times are silent. I want you to trust me in the middle of those silences. Let me put it this way. Abraham, I want you to trust me when I'm not talking to you. See, I think we make a tremendous error, and I've mentioned it before. To expect that people who are really high in terms of their level of faith are those who are in constant communication with God and he's always telling them what to do next. It's like a friend who walks with you and says, turn to the right and turn to the left. And while God does that, he also walks us through painful silence and expects us to follow. I love this quote from a commentator who puts it this way. God's voice comes to us intermittently, not in unbroken chatter, but in episodes of speech punctuating seasons of silence. That's where true faith is born. Trust me, God says to Abraham, in the silences. Step four. Trust me, when faith seems foolish. Abraham is now 100 years old and God comes to him with the covenant of circumcision of all things and says, continue to trust me. And not only that, three visitors show up at his tent one day. And they make a prediction concerning Sarah. They say, Sarah is going to have a son. It's going to come from her own womb. By the way, before this ever happens... Abraham has fallen face down in laughter when God promised a son. He just couldn't help it anymore. He's tried so hard to live by faith, and God promises him a son when he's 100 and when Sarah's 90, and he just falls down and belly laughs. Are you kidding me, God? 
ever been there. I want you to trust me, says God. When faith seems absolutely foolish. When the report came to Sarah, she laughed out loud in the tent, then denied that she laughed, and then the three visitors, who apparently were angels, said, no, we heard you, you laughed. <laughs> it's, that's the thing about angels, they always hear it, you know. Um, trust me when faith seems foolish, because it did seem foolish. Keep trusting me. Oh, let me pause and say something I don't think is very often said. We talk about Abraham as the father of faith. We talk about Abraham as the man who had to continue to trust. But what about Sarah? You got this crazy husband who hears a voice from an invisible God and come back and reports to you, don't worry, we're going to have a baby. She's got to trust too. And I'd like to suggest trust even more. When the three visitors showed up at the tent and made the declaration she was going to have a child, why did she react with laughter? Because it's normal. Why did she react with laughter? Maybe because... She was tired of reacting with tears. Maybe her laugh was in so many words. Don't play with my emotions again. Don't want another promise. Don't insult my intelligence. I've been down this road for 25 years. Don't mock me. I'm barren and I'm 90. And furthermore, I need more than words. I'm tired of words. I'm tired of promises. Maybe that's what Sarah's laughter meant. Can you blame her? The final stage of faith for Abraham is this. Trust me. When faith produces terror... Not just silences, not big gaps, not when I can't see the future, but trust me when you are terrified concerning what I have told you to do. Not terrified by circumstances around you, but terrified by me. You know what I'm talking about. Abraham hears from God and he says, take your son, your only son, to the top of Mount Moriah and sacrifice him. Kill him. Kill the promise. Trust me, Abraham, in the midst of unbelievable terror. Because I am your God. See, Abraham's at the point now where he's got no answers left. His back's to the wall. There's nothing to do except trust or not trust. There's nothing to do except obey or disobey. What a critical 
juncture of faith. And that terror, as the Christian church has so often noted, that point of terror for Abraham became the high point of faith, not only for him, but for Christians who see Isaac as a symbol of Christ. Abraham's faith at this point, it really has risen, hasn't it? He finally got to the place that he said, I can't do anything else that follow God. I've been doing it so long, I know I have to. I've been doing it so long, there is no other way. I've been doing it so long that I have to believe this. I have to believe that the God who miraculously gave me birth at 100 years of age is the same God who can miraculously raise the dead. Wow is that faith in the midst of terror. And he takes Isaac uh, to the top of Mount Moriah. Those are the stages of faith for Abraham, but I just want to summarize it by telling you this. You know it. Nobody has perfect faith. Abraham's story is the detail of a man of faith who did not have perfect faith. Thanks be to God. Thank you, God, for giving us Abraham's story. The second thing to remember about faith is honest faith acknowledges doubt. It always does. Sarah is a great reference at this point. So is Abraham. And so is that follower of Christ who said, when Jesus said, do you believe? He said, yeah, I believe, Lord, but help my unbelief. Faith being, means being honest about your doubt. Faith means I can't hardly believe. Faith means I don't believe. But I believe you. So I'm going to try to take another step by faith. Nobody has perfect faith. Honest faith acknowledges doubt. And the life of faith is not static. If it were static, it wouldn't be faith. We never get to the faith, to the place in our faith where a challenge is unnecessary. It's always necessary. That is the life of faith. Fourth, thing to note is about faith is to keep the faith you got to remember. Incredibly important for our faith. I love Psalm 103, which says, bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Or to put it another way, bless the Lord, all my soul, and remember all his benefits. Bless the Lord and don't forget. I have to do it often because I easily forget. And you know where it's most powerful? Right here. Because I'm looking at you. Right here because I'm looking in to faces 
faith. Right here because I see a hundred stories that I know about faith. Right here. This is where I remember. Oh, by God's grace, I remember sometimes on my own. But I mostly remember here. Which is why it's so critical to be here, my friends. For the person who's truly a person of faith, worship with the people of God should not be optional. It shouldn't be on the bottom of the list that I might get around to this week. It should be at the top of the list. I can't survive without it. Because it's in this collection of believers that I best remember. I remember the stories of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I set up stones, Ebenezer stones, when I remember my own story. And when I forget my own story, somebody in this congregation reminds me of my story. It's here that my faith is renewed. And I listen to the story of others. We don't do it anymore. I'm not suggesting we do, but I grew up with Wednesday night prayer meetings. There wasn't a lot of praying going on. What it really was was testimonies. And Mrs. So-and-so would get up and give a testimony, and everybody had probably heard it before. We couldn't figure out why Mrs. So-and-so would tell the same story over and over again. Periodically, we have another person who would tell a brand new story. And we hear one story after another, a story of grace, a reminder that faith was deep within their hearts. And you know what? Some of those stories were hilarious. I'm telling you, just hilarious. I, I was a family of three brothers. And do you know how much fun we had making fun of those people? Seriously, I mean, we didn't need Saturday Night Live. On the way home, we started telling the stories again from Mississippi. They were hilarious, but they were critically important to my faith development because those stories of faith reminded me that I was a part of a community that really did believe, and I could draft off of that community. Or put it more specifically, I had no faith without them. Nor do you, my friends. You might think you do. But as soon as you think you have faith without them, be careful. You'll have no faith at all. It's true. Listen to other people's stories. And allow those that you love to remind you of God's story in your life. That's faith. It comes in multiple stages. It helps us grow. It draws us closer to Christ. And as wonderful as it is, someday we will no longer need it. Ruth Cowley has left faith behind for us. She doesn't need it. She's in the presence of our risen Lord. Ah, there's something to look forward to. Hang on to your faith. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for the faith of others. Abraham, of course, is chief among them as we think of 
our description of uh, faithful people in the in the Bible. He takes up a lot of space. He's a, an amazing figure, but he's not the only one. Maybe he's not even the greatest one. Some people have gone through worse and still kept their faith. Some people are here, and right now, it's nothing but silence. You're not talking. Maybe they're not listening. Or maybe they shouldn't be hearing anything. They should just be trusting. There's some, Lord, who are in the midst of such silences or difficulties that they feel like they have no faith left. If they were honest, they would say, I can't believe. Lord, give them enough faith to take the next step. And then encourage them enough through the body of Christ that their faith can be restored. We're grateful, Lord, that you never leave us and you never forsake us. It feels that way sometimes, but we know the life of faith does feel like that from time to time. But then there's those seasons of rejoicing. Times where we see your faithfulness. Times when our eyes are open to it, though it's always been around us. And those times are just, well, almost euphoric. So we thank you for your grace, for the restoration that we've experienced, for the faith you've given us. Give us more as we trust you. In the name of Christ our Lord we pray. Amen.